Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Well, good morning, Humanity Church. How you doing? Good to have you guys back. Good to have you here. Man, we had an amazing Easter last week, didn't we? Man, it was so, so beautiful. Uh, man, it, what I love, what I just loved, it felt for a minute, it felt like things were back to normal. Like it was like, whoa. And, uh, and it was beautiful to have a, a packed house here, uh, packed at 25%. And uh, for those of you who are joining us at home, it was such a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. And you know what was crazy, which is what I thought, this is what I just thought was so amazing. Uh, for Easter is we had more people here. We had the, probably about the same amount of people here that we had pre-pandemic in-house, which was really awesome. But I thought, oh, our online numbers are going to drop because everyone's here and no one's watching online. Our online numbers stayed the same, which was incredible. So we had so many people joining us for Easter, hearing about Jesus and connecting to him, which was so, so beautiful. And uh, I always say the the week after Easter is way more important, right? So those of you who made it here, give yourselves a round of applause. (laughs) It's one thing to put on your Easter best. It's another thing to come back and uh, jump in. Hey, let's pause this morning and let's pray before we uh, have this conversation. Jesus, you're already here, and you're moving, and you're speaking, and you're engaging with us in such a beautiful way already this morning. I ask that you would uh, continue to open our eyes, and our ears, and our minds, and our hearts to what you have to say to us today. And I'm so grateful for just the generosity of who you are, and how you just continue to pour out, and that we, there's no way of outgiving you, God, and that you continue uh, in every area in your generosity. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last February, uh, I put out a book, uh, which is a horrible time to put out a book right when the pandemic hits, and uh, it's called Enhanced, and uh, we have been waiting to do the actual series, and so uh, we're going to start that today, which I'm very, very excited about. To go through the conversation, and I am I, partial to this conversation. I'm obviously biased, but I think this is a critical conversation, and I think there's never been a more important time to have a conversation around what it looks like to enhance our faith than right now, where we are in this moment in history. Because the reality is, is there are, only, there are some things in life that can only be explained by faith. I know for, for those of you who have like analytical minds, you don't like that answer, but the, re- the fact of the matter is that there really are a lot of things in life that we have to look at and say the only thing that can explain this or engage this is faith. Faith is believing the unseen and having evidence for what is not there in front of us that we can see with our eyes. And a lot of people, when I have this conversation around faith, especially people who are new to this or may have uh, atheist tendencies or maybe more agnostic, oftentimes... They'll say, I don't really want to have this conversation because it feels like faith is a cop-out. 
And I'll be honest, at times it can be a cop-out answer. I know a lot of Christians that when they don't need, that when they don't know what to say or they don't know what to do, they're just like, well, have faith. It's like the Band-Aid answer for everything when we don't know what to do. And it can be a cop-out, absolutely. But here's the reality. I don't think faith in general is a cop-out at all. Because we have made this false dichotomy of people of faith and people who don't have faith. And people who call themselves followers of Jesus often say, I'm a person of faith, and then other people are not people of faith. But the reality is, is that every single human being on the planet is a person of faith, whether you know it or not. (laughs) That we put our faith in something on a regular basis constantly. And so everyone has faith capacity. The fact that you got in a vehicle today and moved out of your house and moved here told me that you have some level of faith. Faith in your car, faith in your driving skills, and faith in the driving skills of everyone else that was around you, that they were not going to run a red light or run the stop sign or whatever it means. I mean, think about it. Every time you go to the dentist, it's an act of faith, is it not? Where else would you like literally subject yourself to open your mouth to a dude with a drill, right? You have faith. And he's like, I guess, I guess he's going to do what he's supposed to do as he drills my teeth out, right? There's faith in that. Every every time you go to a restaurant, you have faith that that line chef did not spit in your food, that they did not put something poisonous in there. So when you're eating this afternoon, just know it is a complete act of faith. If you're eating at home and your spouse cooked your meal, it's an act of faith, right? (laughs) So so we are constantly exercising faith. Faith is not ever the issue. Faith is never the issue. That's not the conversation that we find ourselves in. See, the question that we have to ask ourselves isn't, do we have faith? The question is, are we seeing results from the things that we're putting our faith in? Are we actually seeing results from what we are putting our faith and placing it into? If not, it's an opportunity to shift your faith from whatever you're placing it into something new, to something that will actually move you towards the life that you were actually designed to live. Have you ever put your faith into something or someone that wasn't faithful and you paid the consequences? Like that used car salesman, right? That told you, oh yeah, it's going to be fine. Or that, that deal on, on uh, eBay or that, that deal on Craigslist that you're like, oh yeah, I didn't actually get what I, what I was supposed to get over here. And we find ourselves going, what, what happened in that? See, the thing is, is that if you found someone that was unfaithful or untrustworthy, you wouldn't keep putting your faith back in there. And yet we do that in so many areas of our lives. We keep putting our faith into things that don't actually get us the results that we say we long for. And we're like, how did my life get here? Why do we keep putting our faith into things that aren't working over and over and over and over again? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when it comes to faith, it feels like God's playing a, like a gotcha game with me. Ever feel like that? Like, like God's, God's trying to play like this gotcha game and, it, and like somehow we don't have enough faith or we don't have the right kind of faith or if I just had this type of faith, maybe things would, would move. And you hear preachers talk about this all the time that if you just have the right type of faith or if you have enough faith or, or if you do these things, then somehow your faith will now be effective. But the scriptures actually say, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed to, to move your life, to move mountains actually. So, so it's not actually like, hey, I need to muster up some type of faith. Sometimes I think people feel like they're faith constipated, right? And they're just like, faith, right? And, 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 and they're just like, if I just, if I just get more out, it'll be, it'll be better. But when Jesus talks about faith, he's not talking about like a lack of quantity, right? He's not even saying like, oh, you need the magic juju to have your faith turn out. He's like, look, you really just need a, a speck of faith and it will move mountains in this. 
So there has to be another way. There has to be something that we're missing. If, if Jesus is saying it's not a quantity issue, and we're over here saying, how do I move my life forward? There has to be something that we're missing in between. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, this is what Peter says to us about our faith and maybe what's missing in the in-between. It says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past. I know this is a crazy idea, but what if God was actually for you? What if God had actually set up the playing field of this universe for your success? That he's actually established the very foundations of the earth so that your life could move ahead. See, what this scriptures is says, it says that you have been granted everything you need for godly life. It actually says you already currently have everything you need. And here's the crazy thing. In the Greek, everything means everything, right? It just means everything. So you're not lacking in anything you need to have the life that you were designed to turn out. All is available to you here and now, presently. Marla and I, when we went on our honeymoon, we went to my favorite place in the world, Cancun, and we went to this all-inclusive resort, and we pull up to the resort, and they start treating you like royalty. They get your bags out for you. They take you in. They get you checked in. And while we're getting checked in, this gentleman comes over, and he says, would you like a drink? And I said, absolutely. And so he hands me the drink, and Marla says, no, I'm okay. And then we get checked in. We're getting settled, and, and they're like, all right, right this way to our room. And Marla stops me. She said, honey, you didn't pay for your drink. And I said, honey, it's, it's all-inclusive. And she's like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's free. All of it's free. And then she's like, yes, I'll take a drink, right? Like, <laughs> because suddenly it was like, oh, I have access to all of this, and I don't have to pay any money for all of this. And it was amazing how her demeanor changed when she realized that she had access to everything right there in front of her right now. See, in the same way, you have already been granted all-inclusive access to everything that you need to live the life that you were designed to mean. So it means that when it comes to godliness, which is equated to the highest level of living that is available to you, you have been covered, which means scarcity should never actually be a part of our conversation if you are following Jesus. The conversation that there is not enough or somehow I need to arrive or one day I will get access to, that is never a conversation that should enter the minds for those of us who are connected to him. But here's the thing. Sometimes I know Christians make blanket statements like this about faith. Like, you have everything you need, and you have everything, and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, why don't I have a million dollars in the bank account right now, right? Why don't I have this or that? You can fill in the blank with what you don't have that you seem like you need. It seems like this conversation is out of alignment with reality. Because it's one thing for a pastor to get up here and to preach a bunch of feel-good statements. It's another thing to look at your life and go, 
Okay, how does this actually translate into the life that I'm actually living here and now? And it's frustrating. Because here's the thing. I do not want to be another pastor that sets you up for failure. I don't want to be another preacher who gets up here and says, hey, here's some nice words that are going to make you feel better. Then you walk out of here and go, this has nothing to do with real life with actually how I live my life and how it shows up in real time in front of me. And many times, despite my best intentions, life does not show up like this, where I have everything that I need. I mean, I get up at 8, and by 8.15, I've blown it in some way, shape, or form. I mean, usually, like, the second my kids get up, I've blown it, right, with them. So, so where is this abundance? Where is this access to having a godly life? Well, see, that's, that's actually it. There's a difference between granted something, being granted something, and being able to access it. There's a difference between the two of those. All of us have been granted right. access to it. There's a difference between actually accessing it. Yeah. See, I have a gym pass, <laughs> and I have been granted access, right? I have been granted access to the gym. And now I don't have an excuse because our wonderful governor has reopened them. (laughs) And I actually can take like up to 10 people with me at a time. Not only do I have access, but I have access for all of you to come with me, right? Guess what? I have not accessed that gym (laughs) in the last year, especially since it's been open. See, we have access to everything that we need for a godly life, but we don't oftentimes access it. We don't go through the work of actually accessing what's already been available to us. And to access everything we need for a godly life, the life that we were called to live, the scriptures say what's needed is the knowledge of Jesus. That's the door in. That's the ticket in. See, the knowledge of Jesus and his glory and his goodness and his promises are the path. Schoolhouse rock, got it right, knowledge is power. And that's what he's telling us here because knowledge changes things. The second you know things, you have insight into how things work, you suddenly have access to the power that's available to you. I remember early on when Jackson, our son, was, was little and we were sleep training him and we were trying to get him to sleep. And I remember one night, it had been like, we were, it was like going on two hours just trying to get him to stay in his bed and to, to not cry and to make sure everything was taken care of. And, and Marla and I were exhausted. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And we're in the living room and we just looked at each other and I looked at her and I said, we were so entitled. Because <laughs> I was like, man, we used to just like stay up late and do whatever we wanted and go out to the movies and hang out. So we, and we thought we had such a hard life until we got this little human being. And now I, real, I was like, we were so entitled. We were so entitled because I had this new knowledge of how life actually works. And I thought, oh, this changes how I see everything from this moment forward. See, once, once I, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to touch my mom's clothes iron, right? But then I, I touched it, and I get knowledge, and now I know how to act. It changes things. I, I knew there, there was a time where I didn't know that the city would come and pick up all of my big, bulky trash items, and I would pay for it to go to the dump. But when I found out that they would pay for it, it changed how I looked at all the junk in my garage, right? I used to know, before I knew that generosity actually creates wholeness, I would hoard my money. But then I knew that, and it changed the way that I interact with my resources and my finance, all of those things. I didn't know that grace would save me so many heartaches. And then when I knew that, it changed how I lived. It changed my actions. And so when you get access to new knowledge, 
It transforms how you actually behave in the world around you. When you know about the knowledge of Jesus and the promises that we live in because of that, it changes everything. It changes how we view the world around us. And the scriptures use this beautiful phrase. It says, once you know that, you can then participate in your divine nature. It grants you access into this divine nature that was made to be yours this whole time. See, there's something that shifts when I know that God will fight for me. There's something that shifts when I know that God will strengthen me. There's something that shifts when I know that every weapon formed against me shall not prosper. There's there's something that that shifts when I know that he will fight and be there for me. There's something that shifts when I know that he knew me before the foundations of the earth. See, when I know these things, it shifts what I know is available to me and how I live in the process of that and knowing these things changes everything. It shifts how we know to, what we know to be true, and thus it changes our perspective and how we see the world around us. See, when we know what we've been granted, then we can move in faith, clearly and confidently. And we get to start bringing these unseen realities into reality with us and living as if they were there. We have confidence because we know that we know that we know. See, this is where knowledge and faith are tied together. They're intimately tied together. Because you can't just go out there and say, I got faith, without knowing what you're supposed to put your faith in, right? You can't just claim faith and before knowing what God has actually granted you access to put faith in. See, we gain knowledge and then we must act on it. It's not enough just to know. You actually have to know and then move and shift and engage. See, I think one of the reasons why God doesn't move as powerfully as we want him today in this movement known as the church is not because of a lack of knowledge. In fact, I would say that that we are the most knowledgeable people that have ever walked this planet, just in general. You have a phone in your pocket that gets you access to anything you would ever want to know about any subject on the planet, right? I mean, if you looked at my Google search history, you won't find porn. You will find weird searches about all kinds of trivia. I mean, I'm always looking up weird. Last night I was looking up wolf spiders, right? And I'm just like, because I have access to it. It's in my pocket. I can pull it out and I can search all kinds of things that I need to know because we have access to all kinds of knowledge. Knowledge is not the issue. It's are we willing to actually move on it? See, here's the thing. If God came down and he was like, hey, I'm going to give you a map And the map is going to point you to a location where I have placed a million dollars that is granted to you. And it's it's detailed. It's a detailed map about where that million dollars is. See, here's what the church would do today with that map. They would sit there and they'd say, all right, let's get together. You know, we're going to do like a six-week study of this map. Let's get together, right? Let's all study the map. Ooh, look at this. Look at this. It has a compass right here. I think that little N, that's like a Hebrew word for something. And look at these mountains. We, we should just, cons- these mountains were like really crazy back in the day and certain scholars. So we'd study the map. Or, or we'd have like a prayer and worship night for the map, right? <laughs> we'd be like, oh Lord, thank you for this map. We're gonna pray about it. We're gonna sing a song about it. We're all gonna cry about it. We're gonna flop on the floor about it. We're gonna have a whole type of thing about it, right? 
We we have a worship service for the map because the map is so beautiful. Or we or for us like or for the like the contemporary, you know, those who have like just deconstructed their faith would have this meditation service about let's meditate on the map and let's see how everything that's happened and let's let's get some words from beyond about the map. I mean, we just sit around and we would do all kinds of crazy things with the map. The whole time God is saying, "Get up and go." Right? <laughs> I'm not actually interested in you sitting around and studying it. I'm not actually interested in you sitting around and worshiping it. I'm not interested in you sitting around and meditating on it. I would actually like for you to go get the million dollars that I have given you (laughs) to go do it. (laughs) See, it's not a knowledge problem. It's a movement problem. It's a faith problem (laughs) of actually stepping into that. And what I love about Peter here is he gives us this very clear step by step guide to engaging our faith. Now, I'm an ENFJ on the Myers-Briggs, and so I like really big pictures. In fact, the, the biggest critique that I get from, from my messages from our communications team is like, hey, you inspired everyone, and no one knows what to do, right? <laughs> I'm like, great, they'll figure it out, right? <laughs> and, and I resist like the 10 steps to a happy marriage. I resist like the five steps to a financial whatever, because they oftentimes don't work for everyone. But what I love about this is that that Peter actually gives us a step-by-step way to enhance our faith, to actually get to this life that we were called to live. He says to take your faith and then to add to it goodness. And then once you've added goodness, add to that goodness knowledge. And once you've added that knowledge, then add self-control. And once you've added self-control, perseverance comes next. And once you've gotten used to persevering, godliness is available to you. And once you add godliness, now you can step into mutual affection. And once you've got down mutual affection, then comes love. And from that space, you are released into your divine nature. And so it's this beautiful guide That's like, hey, if you will do this, and then this, and then this, and then this, it will actually move you towards a space of faith. And we're going to go over these in the next eight weeks together of what it looks like to supplement our faith with each one of these. See, here's the thing. When you start possessing these enhancements, what's available to you now is a choice. What becomes available to you is a choice of how you are going to engage your life. See, without these, there's not a lot of choices because there's just hopelessness. There's just scarcity. There's just not enough. But with these, suddenly choices now become available to to us. It's not like you might be able to live out your divine life or you could or, or maybe one day it's available to you. It says once you have these, you are actually able to live out your divine nature that is available to you here and now. And they are given to you to keep your knowledge from becoming ineffective. That's what the scriptures say. That's a weird phrase, isn't it? To keep your knowledge from becoming ineffective. See, when we choose to not enhance our faith, it says that our our knowledge becomes ineffective. Now, I don't know know how that happens. Is there like an expiration date on knowledge, right? (laughs) Is there there like a, hey, suddenly my knowledge that I had before that worked suddenly is no longer available. Can knowledge like break down? I, I don't know how that actually works. See, here's the thing is that You were designed to live by faith. There's no way around that. There's no way of getting out of that. You will live by faith and you will put your trust in something. So there's no getting around that reality. The question is, is what are you putting your faith in and how are you enhancing it? That will determine the outcome of your life. See, 
at times, what happens is that we engage in conflicting knowledge. And we pick up different messages, and then we wonder why we're so confused about life around us. Have you ever found yourself believing two things that are in conflict with one another? Like, I know that I'm not supposed to eat refined sugar, but I also know that I like frozen yogurt, right? So those are in conflict with one another, and they battle with one another at times. I I know that saving money is helpful, but I also know that there's that cool new toy that just came out that I need to purchase, right? They're in conflict with one another. I know that I should floss every day, but I get tired at night from raising two-year-olds and four-year-olds, and so I don't always get to that, and so there's this conflicting knowledge in that. I I know that 65 miles an hour on the freeway is the law. We'll just leave it at that because there's conflicting knowledge, right? See, when we find ourselves there with conflicting knowledges, one of them will become ineffective. One of them will. You'll give in to one of them. The other one will become ineffective in how you actually live your life. See, our knowledge informs what we have faith in, but our faith determines our future. Our faith, how we actually engage that, will determine the future that we step into. And we are always, always, always in the process of enhancing and fortifying our faith. And what you supplement your faith with will determine the future that is available to you. Whatever you engage and put behind your faith, whatever you supplement it with, whatever you enhance it with, whatever you fortify it with, will determine what's available to you, and it will determine whether you move towards what's called your corrupt nature or your divine nature. They will move you to one of those two destinations. The choice is yours in the middle of that. See, some of you have been enhancing your faith with this idea that I can do my life on my own. I don't need anyone. And you have a lot of faith in that based on how you live. And you've been been enhancing it with with proving yourself and being overworked and being driven and being resentful from that being overworked and it moves you to this corrupt destination of burnout and exhaustion and bitterness. And it renders your knowledge that in his weakness I am made strong ineffective. See, some of you have been, you, you have this faith that your identity is in your dysfunction and your illness and your past and your brokenness. And you've just identified with that and it has become who you are. And you have a lot of faith in that. And it has been enhanced with fear and anger and pride and it moves you towards this corrupt destination of hopelessness and lethargy. And it renders that knowledge that God is healer ineffective. And it moves you towards a corrupt destination. See, some of you have have like this deep faith that life has just handed you bad cards over and over and over again, and that's it. This is the life that I've been handed, so there's no possibilities for me. And it has been enhanced by victimhood and reliving the past and bitterness and shutdown, and it removes you to this corruptible destination of death, and it renders the knowledge that God is for you ineffective. See, some of you have have this deep faith that your past defines your future and you have been enhancing it with apathy and frustration and impatience and resignation and it moves you towards this corrupt destination of stagnation and it renders the knowledge that he is making all things new ineffective. So you will put your faith in something and then you will start fortifying it and it will move you towards a future. This happens over and over and over again. See, What God is attempting to do at all times 
because he is the word, is he is attempting to speak his knowledge and truth over us constantly. He is just in the process of communicating all of that so that we can finally have access to this godly life that we all desire, whether you know it or not. But our faith, until our faith is informed by him and the knowledge that he has and the promises that he has set forth and his word speaking over us, we get, we, we, it starts getting enhanced with the right things that we stay stuck in that. We find ourselves unable to move forward. And you will find yourself, what the scriptures say, nearsighted and blind. But we're always training ourselves and other people to one destination or the other. We're always training ourselves and always training our people into one of these destinations. I was was nearsighted for 35 years of my life before I got LASIK. (laughs) And I was like really nearsighted. Like I I literally could not see past my nose, probably about here. After that, everything got blurry and I couldn't see past that. And the scriptures say that when you are unwilling to enhance your faith in this way, you grow spiritually nearsighted and then eventually blind. Now, there's a lot of problems with being nearsighted. And, And there's two that I found in my own life with my physical nearsightedness, the first thing is that you can't see things that are happening far away. And then if there is something that is coming at you, you can't see it until it's too late. Those are the two things that happen when you're nearsighted and you don't have any corrective glasses. And the same thing happens spiritually when we find ourselves nearsighted. See, if someone was in the back of the room when I was nearsighted attempting to get my attention, like let's just say there's a fire outside and we're like, we got to clear this place out and someone's in the back going, Pastor Nathan, Pastor Nathan. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be unaware. I'm just going to be keep preaching about faith and your life and God and all this stuff. And the whole building's going to be on fire and I'm not going to know it, right? Because I can't see the guy in the back over there. I'd be completely aware of what was happening over there. But when I find myself nearsighted, I can no longer see the future, It's unavailable to me. I can't see past the next few days, the next few months. So essentially, I lose my ability to make choices today knowing how they are going to affect my tomorrow. In essence, I lose my wisdom. I lose my ability to know that if I make this decision, it's going to create that future over there. So I have no idea what's happening over there. And if you are continually surprised by the results in your life, If you're like, how did this show up on my doorstep? Why does this keep happening? Why does this breakdown keep happening over and over and over again? Chances are you've grown spiritually nearsighted because you just can't see the future. You can't see what's coming right in front of you. But see, the other problem with spiritual nearsightedness is you can't see when things are coming at you. See, likewise, if some person off the street walked in the back room and they were like, I'm going to take a rock and chuck it at Pastor Nathan, I wouldn't know until that rock hit me in the face, right? I'd be preaching about faith and life and blah, 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 and all of a sudden, bam, got hit by a rock, and I would not be able to see it because I'm nearsighted in the middle of that. Now, what takes place spiritually when we find ourselves nearsighted is I am unable to see any attacks that are coming at me. So I'm constantly left shocked when something hits me spiritually around me. I am always nursing my wounds rather than playing defense. 
I'm always going, how did that hit me? How, how, how did that happen? How, how did that come at me? I'm unable to see how that's happening. And so I'm unable to see the attacks that are coming my way and do something about them. See, you cannot fight an enemy that you cannot see. And nearsightedness blinds you to what's taking place out there and around us. I remember I was coaching this young woman a few years back and she was trying to get married and she kept saying, I'm just having trouble. I, I keep, I, it's, not, it's not a problem of dating. She's very good looking and she's it's not a problem of dating. I, I, I can get guys, that's not a problem. But she said, it seems like we date for like three months and then they're gone. And so we're talking through some of the aspects of her own belief systems that might be getting in the way and, and what might be contributing to the breakdown. And then I asked her, I said, when do you start having sex with these dudes? And she said, oh. And I said, yeah, we're going to go there. So we had that conversation. And I said, like, on what date usually? Like, well, tell me what date. Like, one, two, three. And she said, well, usually by, like, the second or third date, usually. And I said, okay, would you be up for an experiment? I said, sure, I'll, I'm up for an experiment. I'm like, I want you to just tell a dude, right, like, right on the first date, hey, I'm not going to have sex with you until we're married. And just see what happens. And she was kind of confused, and she was like, I don't know about that. And I'm just like, hey, you don't have to. This is, you're paying for my advice, so here you go, right? I'm like, you can take it or leave it. It's expensive advice, but feel free, right? So I didn't hear from her again after that conversation. And I ran into her a year and a half later, and she was married. And I said, what happened? And she said, I started telling guys that I wasn't going to sleep with them until we were married, and then they wouldn't date me anymore. I said, that's a shock, right? <laughs> and, she said, and then one day, I met this guy, and he said, cool. And we started dating. And it completely was like dating a different type of human being. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's crazy, right? Because <laughs> maybe you're basing your relationship on something else. Because, see, she was actually then able to see what was coming at her. She was able to see what others out there were wanting from her rather than what they were wanting to create with her. And there was a whole other future that happened as a result of her being able to see in the middle of that. See, adding to her knowledge, she added, hey, I should flee temptation. She could see this divine nature and suddenly she was able to take control of her sexuality and then she was able to start directing where she wanted to. She took back her personal power and now she was living in her divine nature rather than being taken advantage of. She was able to see the attacks that were coming her way. There's something powerful when you're able to see both what's happening right in front of you and the future that is coming your way. Supplementing her faith. See, but here's the thing. The longer that you stay in a place where you're nearsighted, the longer that you're not able to see the future, you're not able to see the tax that are right in front of your face, the faster you will go blind. It's just an inevitable slow roll. That you, you go from, I can't really see the future and I can't see the attacks that are right in front of me to now I can't see anything. I, I'm just completely unaware of what's right in front of my faith. See, because the longer that you find yourself there, you will eventually become calloused and disengaged with life. You will find yourself wondering, where is God in all of this? 
And the crazy thing is that God will become disappointing because we assume that it's him that has abandoned us rather than us that have been unwilling to enhance our faith stepping into it. See, if God has grown disappointing in your life, could it possibly be that it's not him that has shifted, it's you that have shifted in your perspective on how you see what's necessary to move your life forward. Okay. See, and, and here's the last thing that Peter tells us. He says that as we grow blind, we forget this very important part of the equation that unlocks this door to the divine nature that you were made for. And that is that when you are connected to Christ, all of your brokenness is forgiven. That's what he says. He says that's the key to this. That all, all of your darkness, all of your hopelessness, all of your destructive habits, all of those patterns have been forgiven. That, that he says he has taken them as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he has taken them from you. That he has no recollection of anything that you have done. And so he looks at you with new eyes that are filled with possibilities for your future and your present. He's basically saying, look, now we can get access to all of the stuff needed to move your life towards that divine nature. And that's what you call radical faith. When you recognize that nothing that comes against you will prosper, when enhanced with goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection and love, your life moves towards this divine nature that you were designed for and you can finally see. You can not only see what's in front of you, but you can see the future. And when you can see the future, you can start materializing it here and now. Because God is with you in that. Faith allows you to know the unknowable and see the unseen right in front of you. See, we're going to be diving into these things over the next few weeks. We're going to be taking a look at these enhancements because this passage actually says that they build upon one another. I know we just want to skip straight to love and be like, can we just get to there, right? <laughs> But, but this is actually one of the few places in the scriptures where an author gives us a step-by-step -step guide. And so we're going to start with goodness next week. And we're going to learn what it looks like to see the world through the perspective that things are made good. And then from that perspective, we're able to add to it knowledge of who God is and what's available to us. And once we have that knowledge, then it gets honed in. And this is where self-control becomes like a rocket pack to take all of that knowledge and all of that new perspective and move us forward. And guess what? The longer that you stay in self-control, the harder it's going to be. So you actually need to move into perseverance. And perseverance, when harnessed and when you step into that space fully and you allow it to shape your character, will produce godliness within you. And then as you become godly, you will actually develop this mutual affection for humanity around you. And as you develop this mutual affection, you will arrive at love. And love is the divine nature that God has called you into. See, I want you to start believing this week that you are a person of faith, that you don't need anything, that, that once you connect to Jesus, you have everything you need available to you. And that from that space, you can start enhancing your faith to move yourself to the life that you are designed to live. This is the journey that we'll be going on to enhance our faith, to move us 
towards the divine nature that is within every single one of us that is unleashed when we connect to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have given us everything we need. God, I just pray that that reality will ring inside of us this week. Like it'll be, a, it'll be almost disturbing that we've been given everything that we need. Not someday, not a little, not enough, like everything to live the godly life that you've called us to. And God, in that, I ask that you would awaken in us this passion to take on these enhancements, to move ourselves forward into the life that you have called us to live. God, that our knowledge of who you are and what's possible and what's capable would not become ineffective, God, but that you would move us fully into that space. And this morning, if you're here or if you're watching online and you have not yet connected to Jesus, it has to start there. This isn't like a woo-woo, feel-good message, personal motivation speaker. I'm not into that. This is just you connecting to Jesus because it starts there with your knowledge of him. Without that, this is all a wash. And so if you're here this morning and you have not yet connected to Jesus, that's your first step. If you're online, that's your first step. And that it's, if that's you that morning, I want you to just look up at me and say, hey, I'm ready to connect to Jesus for the first time, maybe in a long time. Maybe it's your first time this morning ever. If you're online, you can just click that button that says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus today. Or if you're on Facebook or YouTube, you can just type in the comments, Jesus will know what it means. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's not magic words. It's just you connecting to him. And I want you to say, just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I'm broken. And I know that you came and you died for me. And you came back to life so that I could live and that I could live abundantly. God, grant me access to everything I need for the life that you've called me to so that I may discover the divine nature that lives in me to live that life out fully. I thank you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.